Good day and welcome to our People's Church at Home service. I'm so delighted that you're able to connect with us today. My name is Eugene Maswangani and I'm your host. Firstly, I'd like to offer words of encouragement to everyone going through any challenges or difficulties during this global pandemic. To those that have lost their loved ones, I extend my deepest and heartfelt condolences. The word of God found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 46, verses 10 and 11 reads as follows. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Please do not worry that God is blind to our tears, nor is he deaf to our prayers. He will never be silent to our pain and he sees and hears and he will deliver us. Right now, we are to start the offering message by Auntie Regina. Shortly afterwards, Pastor Monditele will then begin with today's sermon. Just a quick reminder, Pastor Mondi has introduced our theme for the year and it's called Build to Last. We're excited and ready to learn more from this series. Therefore, without any further delay, let us prepare our hearts in willingness to receive well the word of God. Keep well in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thank you. Good morning, family. I trust that God Almighty has been keeping you safe. Uh, even if you are lying in hospital or you have a loved one that is sick, but we believe that God is the Lord of everything. Uh, the offering message this morning is just an encouragement to all of us. As I was reading the Bible in one year, the words from Exodus chapter 3 verse 4 to 17 really encouraged me. I hope you too will be encouraged. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look. God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 17, the word of the Lord says, I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, of the Hittites, of the Amorites, of the Perizzites and the Hevitites and the Hebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. What is most encouraging from these verses is that the first thing is that our God stays the same throughout the ages. He says to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And in Hebrews we are told uh, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 we are told that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever 
which means that the circumstances we are going through do not change who he is. He is not, number two, he's not far removed from our struggles. No matter the situation may be, he hears, he sees, and he is concerned. The third thing is that he promises to deliver us out of our trouble. The words, and it came to pass, appear when I researched 396 times in the Bible, meaning that no situation is permanent. Even the corona, with all its devastating effects, did not come to stay. It too will come to pass. We may ask ourselves, Lord, for how long will this continue? But our God is faithful. Our Heavenly Father is faithful. He promised to bring the Israelites out of their misery, and He did in our today's reading. The Israelites spent about 430 years in Egypt as slaves, but God in His wisdom and His appointed time showed up. Our sorrows may linger, or they may not, but he, be rest assured that His deliverance will certainly come. Meanwhile, what should we do? We keep looking to God. He is our first and our last resort. We keep trusting Him, calling on Him when we are afraid. For God is our refuge and our strength. We keep loving one another as Christ loved us. And finally, we keep giving our talents and our resources to the house of the Lord. Let us pray. O God, our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that you stay the same throughout the ages. Whatever you did millions of years ago, thousands of years ago, you still deliver us. You still do the same things that you did many years ago. Father God, we honor you and we glorify you that you care for us, that you see us, O oh God. You see us, Lord, in our afflictions, that, Lord, you hear us when we pray to you. Lord, that you are concerned about us and that you promise that you deliver us even in our circumstances right now, even as we prepare to give mighty God. We just want to ask you to bless our tithes and our offerings. We ask all this through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, good morning, church. Today, on the first Sunday of February, we are going to have communion as it is custom within our household or within our family to have communion in the first Sunday of each month. Now, we need to remember this. Communion was instituted or was started by Christ himself um, when, before his death, he came together with his disciples and they had dinner, which is something we call the Last Supper. As I was preparing for this today, I realized something that quite often when we do communion, we want to have it as something that is very somber, something that is very, very serious. Uh, we want to spiritualize it. I'm not saying it, is, it should not be spiritualized. We should. But however, it is important that we realize that this is about communion. 
this is about children of God coming together to do life together. Some people don't do communion like we do. Some people do bribes. Some people invite one another to have their poikikos. And some have a lot of different other things. Some, in fact, come together to drink beer, to drink alcohol and get drunk. That is their form of communion. So for us as children of God, our communion should have a better meaning because this communion is not only about engaging in eating and drinking, but it is intended for us to remember the words or the teachings and instructions of Christ who said we must do this in memory or in remembrance of him. However, it is very important. We need to be very careful as believers that as we do this in the church of the 21st century, we must avoid being like the church of Corinth that actually made Paul feel very sad because in their coming together, if you read the 11th chapter, Paul says in their coming together, they come together to boast, not because they want to commune or to fellowship with one another. But he says, as we commune, we need to do this in remembrance of Christ. We must not do this to boast. As we say in our lingo, we say to shine. This is about remembering Christ. This is about remembering his death and the fact that when he shared with his apostles, when he shared with those people, he was saying to them, take this and eat it. This is my body. And he gave them the chalice to drink from. And he said, drink this. This is a representation of my blood. So it is important, children of God, that when we commune, when we fellowship, when we eat and drink, we need to realize that it is intended to make us remember the death as well as the resurrection of Christ. We need to remember his body that was battered for us. We need to remember his blood that was shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. So family, as we partake in Holy Communion, let us remember Christ. Let us remember that it is about fellowship. It is not about drinking to get drunk. It is not about showing off to other people that we have better or that we can do better. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. And may the Lord open our eyes so that we understand what true communion, what true remembrance of Christ is. God bless you. Good morning and welcome. So glad that you are able to join us um, again this morning or whenever it is that you are watching this. And so before we go into the, today's sermon, I just wanted to say that for those that are uh, currently battling, you know, the coronavirus and everyone who has been impacted 
and affected by the global pandemic and the virus, that you continue to be in our prayers. And if there's anything that we can do as a church and as individuals to just uh, help carry the load and the burden, uh, to be there alongside you and to assist you as you go through whatever it is that you are going through, that we are here and that you can uh, reach out to us. You can let us know and it will be an honor for us to come alongside you and to be there with you as you go through some of the difficulties that you are going through right now. And today, I just wanted to spend some time to unpack a little bit of the theme that we communicated in the, uh, during the week of fasting and prayer. And in case you were not part of those messages, um, the theme for this year that we are focusing on is Built to Last. And today, I just want to preach a sermon titled, A Picture of the Church. And I believe it's going to begin to shed some light into what that theme might practically look like. And before we go into that as well, uh, there is a video that we prepared, a very short video that we prepared in, light, in line with this that I would like to show it to you now. And so let us watch that video. Bobcat fire exploding in size. Firefighters desperately working to save homes from the Bobcat fire near Los Angeles. The ring of fire around Sydney is as angry and as frightening as we've seen. Over two million acres have burned here in California. In Beirut, Lebanon. A massive explosion has torn through the Lebanese capital, Beirut, killing at least 70 people and injuring more than 3,700. Cyclone Eloise displaced thousands as it moves through the region. Affected South Africa, Botswana, Zimbabwe, and Eswatini, but Mozambique was the hardest hit. George Floyd. George Floyd. George Floyd. George Floyd repeatedly told the officers that he could not breathe. So if your eyes are open, to what is happening in the world, I think you will agree with me that the world is troubled on every side. And I believe that is why the church, I mean, the world right now needs a church that is built to last, a church that is going to be there for the long run. And that is my focus for today. And if you turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 16, uh, from verses 13 to verse 20, um, that is a very interesting portion of scripture that we're going to try and unpack uh, this morning. And this is what it says, Matthew 16, verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, 
Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And let me just pause right here and say a few things. This question that Jesus asked the disciples when he turned to them and he said, who do you say that I am? I believe it's the one question that is standing in front of each and every person who is alive. It's a question that demands an answer. And I don't think there is any other question in life that has more consequences than this one. Each person, think about it, each and every person who's alive today and each and every person who will live after us will have to, at some point in their lives, come, uh, be confronted with this question and respond to it. Who is Jesus Christ to you? Who do you say that the Son of Man is? Is he just a good moral teacher or is he something more? If he is the Christ, as Peter says, then you have to obey him as both Lord and King of your life. If he is just a good person who had nice sayings, who lived and died some time ago, then you can ignore him or you can do whatever you want with him. But if what Peter said here is true, then this changes everything. Listen to how C.S. Lewis once put this same thing. He said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic, a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell himself. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. And this, I mean, C.S. Lewis is very passionate about this. You can hear from the language that he uses, but it is that clear. Who is he to you? And that is a question that each and every person alive needs to answer. And the answer to that question has, has uh, ramifications in terms of the life that you will live, has consequences in your life. If he is indeed the son of the living God, if he is God in the flesh, then we must bow down to him. Then we must believe in him. Then we must give our lives over to him and live the kind of lives that he wants us to live. Or if he is, if, if he is not, you know, the person that he said that he is, then he must be the devil of hell himself, or he must be a crazy man. But we can't just say he was a good person, he was a nice person, he was a good moral teacher. And that's what he says. And so I hope that you will, or you have already answered this question for yourself in your own life. And if you haven't, I hope that you take the moment and really seriously think about it. Because this is a question that simply demands an answer. Each and every person has to answer this question for themselves. And it continues in Matthew 16 to say, And Jesus answered him, 
uh, so Jesus turned to Peter and he answered him. He said, blessed are you, Simon, by Jonah, which means son of John. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. And so to say that there's a lot that is happening in this passage of scripture would be a major understatement. There is a lot serious amount of stuff that is happening here. And I will not go into many of the controversial beliefs and some of the long-standing discussions and arguments that have taken place over the centuries on this passage of Scripture alone. I will not focus on, on all of those things today because I simply do not have that time. But I will focus on what I believe is clear and what we can all agree about when it comes to this passage of Scripture. Maybe one day we will get the time to unpack it, to get into each and everything that is going on. But I believe this is the part that is clear, that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And that is what I'm going to be focusing on for the rest of the time that we have here today. That Jesus said he's going to build his church. I think we can all agree on that. He is the one who builds this church. And so we're going to take a moment to just look at what that means. And the first thing is to look at that statement, I will build my church. And the first thing we can know about that is that Jesus is the one who builds his church. That is clear. That is the fact of the matter, is that Jesus Christ is the one who actually builds his church. And the apostles and, and the priests and the pastors and all of those kind of people, they come alongside the Lord Jesus Christ and come to partner with him in what he is doing, to, to be a part of that building of the church. But it is Jesus Christ who is building his church. And make no mistake, we do not come alongside the Lord Jesus Christ because he needs our help in building the church. He does not need our help. We come alongside because he has decided to invite us to be a part of what he is doing. Such an honor and a privilege on our part to be involved in what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing in the building of his church. But at the end of the day, make no mistake, it is the Lord Jesus Christ who builds his church. And, and it matters incredibly how we handle, how we deal with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It matters because the church is the body of Christ and he loves the church very much. I don't think that is an understatement. I don't think we can overstate that fact. The Lord Jesus loves his church very much. In fact, he laid down his life for his church. And if you, if you uh, read in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, this is when Paul is speaking to the elders in Ephesus, and he is charging them, and this is what he says. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. The church is precious to the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps it is more precious than you and I can actually understand. He laid down his life for the church. He purchased the church through his own blood. 
which is what this verse is saying. And so this um, tells us and teaches us that the church matters to the Lord Jesus Christ. The church matters to God. We cannot just handle the church anyhow. We cannot just behave anyhow in the church, especially those that are in, in uh, that have been given responsibility to care for the flock. They cannot just do anyhow because it matters very much how we behave, how we handle, how we deal with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ because it is precious to him. He loves it. He paid a huge price, a high price to pay Purchase the church and to and to give birth to the church and and the second thing that we can know is that the church belongs to Jesus Christ as that verse in Acts twenty also tells us that He is the one who purchased it He He brought it you know through His own blood through the shedding of His own blood the church belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ and He is the one who builds the church the second thing that the Lord Jesus says is that and the gates of hell shall not be able to prevail against it. This is just one of those things that there's, uh, there's been lots of uh, arguments and discussions over the centuries about what does the Lord Jesus actually mean here. But I'll just focus on what I think is clear, on what I think we can all agree. And the first thing is that Jesus prophesied the church. Just think about that for a moment, that the Lord Jesus Christ himself, you know, God prophesied the church. He prophesied us and this thing that we are all a part of. He actually prophesied it even before it took place. And the, and the one thing that is very important, there's an important distinction that we need to make uh, based on where we are in, in history and in our culture and our understanding of this thing that Jesus said he was going to build. And so the distinction that we need to make is, is and I just first need to show you some pictures and ask you some questions. Uh, on this picture, what is this a picture of? You know, what is this a picture of? If you said that this is a picture of the church, I wouldn't blame you. You know, it's something that I would have said not so long ago as well. But that is actually incorrect. That is wrong. This is not a picture of the church. This is the picture of the church. The church that Jesus was talking about is the whole worldwide body of Christ, which is a community of born-again believers and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is people, and it is not buildings. The church is not a day in the week. The church is not a time in a day. You know, from this time to that time, we have church. That is not the church. The church is the people of God assembled for a common purpose. This is just a picture of buildings belonging to a church. You know, but this is not the church. The church is the people, the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, born-again believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why it is actually also not accurate or not correct to say that the church is closed right now. Or even to ask the question, when will the church open? Why? Because the church never closes. The church buildings are the ones that open and close. But the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, it never 
closes. This is not just a technicality. This is a very important distinction that we need to make so that we can have an accurate understanding of what Jesus is saying here when he says, I will build my church. He's not talking about building buildings. You know, he's not talking about sanctuaries and, and cathedrals and all of those kind of things. He's not talking about, he's talking about the spiritual temple, the one that the whole, that God dwells in through his Holy Spirit, which is the people of God, the, the believers and the followers and the born again believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so while having said all of that, it is true that the church has had to look a little bit differently now than it used to before. We have had to make some adjustments to our normal weekly gatherings and programs. Why? In order so that we may be more relevant to the times that we are living in. It's just a practicality and a necessity because of the pandemic that we are living in. But I can assure you that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is alive and well. You know, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is growing and spreading and thriving even during these times. Does the church look a little bit differently now? Of course it does. Yes. But is the church on the brink of extinction? By no means. Absolutely not. Nothing could be further from the truth. The church is well and healthy and alive. And when Jesus said, he will build his church. I can assure you that he did not have something like this in mind. Neither did his disciples and those that were listening to him at the time. I believe when Jesus said, I will build my church, he had something more like this in mind. If you go to Acts chapter 2, verses 44 to 47, I like this portion because for me, it's almost like a snapshot of the church. The church that Jesus said he is going to build. The church that Jesus shed his blood for. The church that he purchased with his own life. I believe this is just a snapshot of that kind of church. If you read Acts chapter 2, verse 44 to 47, it says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved this is the snapshot. This is the vision. This is the church that Jesus Christ prophesied. This, the church of Jesus Christ, is a community of believers bound together by their common purpose and fueled by the love of God within them for one another. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a community which transcends all barriers. It transcends racial lines. It transcends ethnic lines, economic lines, and any other line that you can think of that divides us. It transcends all of those things. It is a community so radically different to everything around it that it feels like an oasis in the middle of a desert. It is a breath of fresh air in a world so polluted by sin and every form of evil. It is a piece of heaven on earth. It is a community filled with people who love one another with a love that is not from this world. That is the church that the Lord Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. That's the church that I believe he had in mind. That's the church that he wants us to become. 
And last week, we had a very powerful and important message uh, on the power of God's spoken word. You know, we're just reminded that there is tremendous power in the, in the spoken word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I was just thinking that even if something was going to happen, or if something could have, would have, or was supposed to happen, but just because he has said it will not happen, then because of that one thing, it will never see the light of day because there is tremendous power in God's spoken word. What he speaks comes to be. You know, he calls things that are not as if they are, and just because he has called them, they be they become whatever he has called them to be. So now, just because Jesus said the gates of hell shall never be able to prevail against his church guess what they will never be able to prevail against his church the church will always uh, arise triumphant the always uh, the church will always remain standing because he has said it will people can bend down or destroy church buildings but no one will ever be able to destroy the church of the lord jesus christ why because he has said so because he has prophesied the church and he is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should change his mind. If he has said it, he will do it. He has said the church will, will remain standing and just because of that, it will remain standing. There is no amount of hardship that will end the church. There is no global pandemic. There's no persecution. There's no famine. There is no wildfires that will ever be able to put an end to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ because the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has been built to last. It is not going anywhere anytime soon. And the last thing I want to look at I want us to look at is the fact that the church is resilient. And, and if you look at the history of the church, you will agree with me that the church has faced more than its fair share of troubles. You know, in just the, the history of the church, evil empires have risen and they have fallen. But the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has remained standing more than 2,000 years later. It is still here. And one such empire was the Roman Empire during the reign of the emperor who was called Nero. I'm not sure if you know about him. But the church during that time did not have a good time at all. That was probably one of the worst times in, in church history, just in terms of the persecution that the church experienced when Nero was the emperor of the Roman, uh, the Roman Empire. And so basically what happened is that Nero uh, blamed Christians for a fire that burned for a total of nine days and destroyed about two-thirds of the entire Roman Empire. That, that fire was massive. It's very interesting because some people actually believe that Nero was the one who actually started the fire, but that is besides the point. So he blamed the Christians for that fire. And what followed after that is a period of intense persecution that I believe is unparalleled in all the history of the church. You know, he tried by all means to stomp the church out of existence. He tried by all means to put an end to the Christian faith. He was at some point feeding Christians to lions during the, uh, the gladiators, the games that they had there, and they would just feed Christians to lions. And then at other times, he would burn Christians 
uh, as human torches to light up his gardens when he would have parties in the evening, just, you know, for fun, just to light up and to create an ambience for his parties. He would light up Christians as human torches. That is some of the things that were happening to the Christian church during his reign, which was a very difficult and unprecedented time in the history of the church. But guess what? Despite all of that, the church continued to spread and to grow. And so it's very interesting because there's a gentleman by the name of Yemelian Yaroslavsky and he, he led a group that was called the League of the Militant Godless and their main objective was to stomp out the Christian faith once and for all and he is later quoted as saying Christianity is like a nail the harder you hit it the, the deeper it goes in and so needless to say Yemelian is dead and forgotten and the church is still standing to this day. And let me end with this quote that I found from John Odbeck in his book, Who is This Man? This is what he says in the book. He said, famous people often seek to preserve their legacy by having others named for them. The Bible mentions various characters named Herod or even Herodias, who were intended to remind us of Herod the Great. On the day, uh, on the day after Jesus' death, no one in the tiny circle that knew his identity was naming their new babies after him. But today, the names of Caesar and even Nero are used, if at all, for pizza parlors, dogs, and casinos, while the names in Jesus' book live on and on. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And right now, I do sense that morale is a little bit down. You know, it's a, it's a little bit low in Christian circles because of what is happening. People are asking themselves, is this the end? Why is God not doing anything? When is God going to show up? You know, and this may be the end of something. Let us be honest about that. But the truth of the matter is that it is not the end of the church of Jesus Christ. And even right now, if you can believe it, the church is spreading and growing. So let us take courage and keep the hope alive because Jesus said it, it is going to happen as he has said it. Nothing will ever be able to put an end to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are part of something that is here for the long run. We are part of something that has been built to last. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for the privilege of making us part of your church and making us part of what you are doing here on earth. Father, we thank you that we are part of something, Lord God, that has been prophesied by you yourself. And just because you prophesied it, it is going to happen just as you said it will. The church is not going anywhere. The church is going to outlast everything in all of creation. Nothing is going to be able to put an end to your church. And it is such an honor and a privilege to be a part of that and to be a part of what you are doing. We thank you, Lord God, that even right now, even though we may not see it, that you are at work in the world, that your church is growing, that your church is spreading, that your church is changing the world from the inside out, that your church is that salt that you sprinkled into the whole world so that you can preserve the world, so that you can change the world, so that you can bring out the flavors, the flavors that you have put in the world. The church is effective. The church is alive. The church is well, 
the church is not in danger of extinction. We thank you, Lord God. We pray that you can help us to fix our perspectives, to, to help us to fix our eyes upon the things that you are doing right now in the world and that you may our hope father god inside of us may rise lord jesus because we know that you are in control we know father god that you are not worried we know you are not scrambling we know you are not pacing the room but you are in control of everything that happens here on earth we pray that you help us to trust you we pray that you help us to be able to rest and to rely upon you and upon your word even during these times we thank you so much and we honor you we bless you in jesus christ's mighty name now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Take care and God bless you. Thank you very much, Pastor Monley, for today's teaching. That was a life-changing message. Let us remain encouraged knowing that through prayer, the Holy Spirit can transform our lives. Let us remember that when God's people seek His face and not His hand, with a broken and repentant spirit, God will hear from heaven and heal our lives. He will heal our churches, our communities, our nation, and world at large. May our Lord's peace be with you. Wishing you all a highly favored and productive week ahead. God bless you.